Assalamu alaikum guys, today we'll be discussing the Trinity, which is a core uh, part of core faith in Christian belief. So, what do you guys think about the Trinity? I think the Trinity is like, it doesn't really make sense because, like, you know, three, like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like, it can be, can't have be three gods, like, it's either partialism or like, you know, or, I mean, even in the Bible, like, even in the Bible, like, it contradicts the Trinity as well. You know, like, you know, one of the, one of the, I think it's chapter Mark, uh, Jesus actually, uh, Jesus talks about the hour, and you know, so like nobody knows about the hour, nor the sun, nor the angels, but the, only the Father. So like, how can Jesus be God if like, if he if he doesn't know about the hour himself, and only the God knows, only only the Father knows, you know? And so like, it, so that contradicts the Trinity because God is all knowing, and so if Jesus was God, he wouldn't know he wouldn't know when the hour was, you know? That's that's my uh, opinion. <clears throat> what if a Christian would respond and then say that, yeah, but but Jesus was human when he said that, he wasn't God. What would what would how how would that uh, have implications? I mean, saying? again, like that, it, it, that again that doesn't make sense because Jesus can't have a true nature of God, of a uh, God that's purely divine and then a human nature at the same at the same time because imperfect being and imperfect being can't correlate with each other. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Can there can't be like a squared circle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is going more into incarnation, but we can focus on like a little bit on the Trinity. Yeah. So what do you think of the Trinity? So the Trinity makes no sense, especially the three in one, because um you can't have like three um people in one. Like it's either you're one third of a person, which makes no sense, or you're three people, and that's not monotheism. Mm -hmm. And what would you comment about the Trinity? Um, in my opinion, I think the Trinity is kind of similar to um, what's it called, Hinduism, because they use the idea of one being also being three beings at the same time, and Hinduism is the same way, where it's one major being. I think Ravana. Drama? Brahman. Drama. Brahman. Brahman. Okay, yeah. Brahman, yeah. Brahman. Brahman. Mm -hmm. um, being the one major god, and then parts of him are other gods or humans as well, which then get reincarnated into him, which, like, it's a cycle. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Hinduism has a, have a, a cycle of, like, constant for eternity. And what's your opinion on the Trinity? Yeah, so the Trinity, I think, is, like, it's either a contradiction or it leads you to a heresy. So if you try to get out of the contradiction, you get into a heresy, or if you try to get out of the heresy, you get into a contradiction. So <clears throat> the way I would describe the Trinity is, is that there are really two major models of the Trinity in literature. And there's one called the social Trinitarian model, and there's one called the Latin Trinitarian model, right? So the, the social Trinitarian model is basically saying that there's one essence of God in three persons. Okay, have you guys heard that one before? Yeah. yeah. That's the one that's more common because it's easier to understand. <clears throat> the Latin Trinitarian model says that the what? The Latin Trinitarian, that's yeah. the second model, states that the Father and the Son are the same God, but they're different persons. Okay? That's you don't hear that as much. Now I know some Christians basically make both statements, but they can't be they're they're both they're both mutually they independent. Yeah. They're independent. You can't believe in this and this. They're independent. <clears throat> you could make them dependent, but in the literature. They're independent. The way they're described, the words are independent. Okay. Now one can just say like the way I'm describing Latin Trinitarian as a model is just equal to the social Trinitarian model. Like you know, move the words around a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in essence, those two models are different in the literature, in the philosophical literature. So we will first look at some implications of both models and see what like some Christian philosophers have to say, and then we can maybe look at some historical 
and the biblical aspect. So this is more of the philosophical side of the Trinity. The major concern is most Christians don't understand the Trinity. And I think most Muslims don't either because you can't understand it. It's hard to understand it, right? Because of the because you have these different models, you're confused even by Christians. So of course the Muslims aren't going to understand if the Christians themselves are confusing these models. So what the way around this is to properly define the words what they're using and look at the implications of what they're defining. So there's really, in the literature, there are two different views. There's one called a positive mysterianism, and there's called negative mysterianism, all right? This is the general approach to Trinity itself. So, so the positive mysterianism would say that, okay, you know what? That it's a mystery, right? It's a mystery, but we, we, we shouldn't care, right? Like, it's, if it's a mystery, it's a mystery. So you're saying that they should just, like, believe, just, like, since we don't understand it, we should just believe that it's a thing and yeah. we can't comprehend it? Basically, what they do is this. So, um, especially in Christianity, okay, I believe in something. If you don't believe in it, you're not Christian. You have to believe in it. It's kind of like, uh, what's it called? In Islam, we have um, the, um, the six pillars of um, faith. Iman. Iman, yeah. That's what they have, but it's way worse because it's a huge mystery. That's why it's a huge problem for Christians. Yeah, so the thing is, is like, so the negative, the, the difference between negative mysterian and a positive mysterian is, is we're just giving names to these things that are Christians basically believe. So a positive mysterian would say that you, you're rationally justified to believe in a contradiction. So even if it's a contradiction, you can still believe in it because it may appear as a contradiction, but it's not an actual contradiction. It's a positive mysterian. So you can still believe, even though it's a mystery, and that's where the word mysterian is in there. Mm -hmm. It's a mystery, but even though it's a contradiction, it might look like a contradiction, but it's not actually a contradiction. Now, I agree with them until the part they say it looks like a contradiction, right? After that, I don't agree with them when they say it is not a contradiction, right? Mm -hmm. That's their claim. They need to show why it's not. The issue is that no one can be a consistent positive mysterianism. What they're basically saying is even if the Trinity looks contradiction on the face of it, then it's not actually true. You, have, you haven't looked into it enough or there's something we're missing. That's what they're saying. The issue here is that I can say that about anything. Like if you give me a contradiction, I can just say, you know what, it maybe looks like to you, but it's not really. But that's just assertion. You haven't shown, you have to show me why it's not a contradiction. Like simply me asserting it. Proof, yeah, yeah you, if simply, if you said that, like if, if you said, for example, like two plus two equals to five, and you say, okay, it looks like a contradiction. You're like, no, it, it looks like, but it's not really a contradiction. But that doesn't solve the problem. You have to still show me why it's not a contradiction. You're just covering up the You're just covering up the yeah, conversation. Exactly. So that's a positive mysterious approach. A negative mysterious approach would just say, you know what, we just, we know too much the point where we can't even talk about the Trinity. Like, like, if you know too much about a thing, like you're confusing the terms now. You know, you can't, it's just leave it to complete mystery now. Like, at least the positive mysterian is saying that it's an apparent contradiction. The negative mysterian is saying, we can't even make that claim. We don't even know if it's a contradiction or not. Nothing, you can't talk about it. So the one side, they're agreeing it's a contradiction. The other side, they're saying, you know what? Even saying it's a contradiction is problematic because that's how mysterious it is, <laughs> okay? So now the issue with these views is, is right, the, the right one, they have to show me why it's not a contradiction. That's the right one. That's the burden of proof on the positive mysterian. Mm -hmm. The negative mysterian now has to explain to me how can they have a concept of the Trinity. No, no Christian philosopher or theologian is a consistent negative mysterian. Because when you go to a church or talk to a scholar, they will explain you what the Trinity is. They're not going to say, oh, Trinity is mysterious. They will yeah. attempt to explain it. That assumes they're not negative mysterians. They don't just say it's complete mystery. So then what would they be considered? A positive mystery? 
Right. It's, it, if if they're trying to explain, yeah, they would be kind of like a positive mysterian, right? They're trying to explain. They're saying, oh, there's no contradiction. And the moment you show a contradiction, they would say it's beyond the realm of logic. Right. That's Simply. basically a positive mysterian because they're mm -hmm. saying it's a contradiction, but somehow it's not a contradiction. Right? That's what they're saying, right? It's so kind of trying to mix up this stuff. Basically, if yeah. you don't understand this, they use the second one saying, yeah. we don't understand it. You better yeah. believe it. Yeah. And or on the other hand, they show it's a contradiction. They know it's a contradiction, but they say, you know, it's beyond logic. God can't basically do anything. And a quick point on logic is. Like, they will say, like, stuff like, oh, yeah, God is above logic. Why are you bounding on the logic? The issue with this view is that they don't understand what logic is. Logic is not something that's bound. Like, it doesn't bound God. Logic is just the way we describe stuff. That's that's how I would understand logic. I mean, if God gave us logic, then he should, he should like, tell us, like, he should make us know, like, what about the Trinity, like, how, logically, how yeah. it makes sense. The minimum bar for knowledge is that it shouldn't be a contradiction. That's just the way it is. Like, that's how philosophers define knowledge. They define knowledge as justified credulity. The word true means it's not a contradiction. A contradiction is by default false. That's how a contradiction is defined. So you cannot have falsity in knowledge. Now, I know like if someone's really into philosophy, they can come up with counterexamples, like something called a like, Gettier problem. But we don't have to get into it. It's like a, it's like a, like a, like a how do I put this? What's there? Like Ejma. <laughs> with philosophers, they're like agreeing with. Okay, yeah, it's justified truth. You can come up with a counterexample, but no one takes it seriously. It's not like a huge blow, okay? But how we define knowledge is justified true belief. So it must be justified. You can justify the knowledge. You, it must be true. And it must be believed. Like, you must believe it. Mm -hmm. That's what knowledge consists of. Now, the issue is it's the Trinity. It's not true. If it's contradiction. So you can't be justified as knowledge. That's the first point, right? And did you have any questions? Oh, I was going to say that um, Omar is going to have all the questions over here. So as we go along, he's going to ask other questions. Yeah. So basically, the point here is that when it comes to logic, like if you say, like for example, if you ask, can God create like a squared circle? Mm -hmm. Now, how would you answer this? Now, it's a contradiction. Yeah, because the statement itself doesn't make any sense. When you ask, like, can God create a squared circle? The word squared circle is not referring to anything. Mm -hmm. So imagine if I told you, imagine you told me, I can, I can basically, any book you think of in this library, I can it can appear right now in front of me, right? Like any book, tell me which book name and shelf, and I'll, I'll put it in front. Of and I and I tell you the name of a car. That does that now sense. make does not does not does that now mean that you don't you can't you don't you're not all knowing in this room, right? You can't get any book in front of you. No, right? I'm asking something that's beyond the realm of like sentences itself. When I say a squared circle, that's beyond the realm of sentences. It's not even a sentence anymore. It's a sentence with syntax, but it has no meaning. The sentence loses meaning. So um, a, a different, a, another way of thinking about it is, it's a contradiction in where, like, I know the square circle is a contradiction, but you're saying that God can create anything so he can create a square circle. Well, a square circle it's not is a physically not, is not impossible. It's no, impossible. it's not about, it's not about, like, it just, be, yeah, impossible, that's one way to put it. What, what really makes it a square circle is just a syntax. Like, okay, imagine I said, the green color is sleeping peacefully. That's a sentence. Does that hold any meaning? No, it doesn't. It's, like, kind, of, it's kind of like, right? uh, You can I'm, just make yeah. up, you can use words, combine words, right? And make up a sentence. Now, does that sentence have meaning? That's a different story. It's, it's like, kind of like using, um, a logical, a logical way of saying something is, I'm going southwest, but in the way you're saying, I'm going south north. Yeah, yeah. You can that. you can put as many words as you want to send. I can say the a b two one, a, but does that sentence not hold meaning? It doesn't, right? So when I say can God create a square circle, the question doesn't hold meaning. 
Like, it's like, imagine God said, I can do anything, just point towards it. And you're like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, okay, point towards it. Like, no. So like, you, you're not, you're, when, when, when we say God can do anything, we're saying anything that is possible to put in words, or like, in that sense, anything that's logically possible. What you're asking is something that has no meaning. So what I was trying to get at is like, if a trinity is a contradiction, then the trinity has no meaning, the word. Mm-hmm. That's the bigger issue. Because the trinity means three. <clears throat> and how can three be one? Yeah, then exactly. it will just be unitary. <clears throat> and unitary is... Right, so if you say it's neither this nor that, then what's he referring to? Yeah. If your whole salvation depends on something, it must refer to something. Right? So that's the issue here is that a contradiction must be taken seriously. You can't just throw a contradiction under the rug and say, oh yeah, we believe, we have faith in it. <clears throat> the minimum bar for knowledge is a contradiction. That it must not be a contradiction. That's the minimum bar for knowledge. Anything you believe in, it must at least be true. At the very least. Right? So that's the first point I wanted to make with respect to like role of logic in like in like discourse. Mm-hmm. That it, if we don't agree with on logic, then the whole discourse loses meaning. Because to make that statement, I don't want logic, it doesn't work, you have to use logic. It's like circular, there's no way to escape it. The statement logic is false, <laughs> is using logic, you know, like, yeah. so there's no around it. You know, you're just gonna be circular. And also, if you if you have a contradiction in your worldview, then you, you have this issue called the principle of explosion. Well, basically you can prove any false fact using a contradiction. So if you have like a contradiction, like three equal to one. Yeah, I've seen like YouTube videos where they, where they use zero equals zero to like justify how two equals one or yeah. five equals six or something like yeah, that. Yeah, if you justify one equals two, you can justify anything. You can justify one equal to three, you can justify one equal to four, you can justify one equal to five, you can justify anything. So your whole knowledge system that you just built up, all the knowledge you had, if it's built on this one thing that's contradictory, then your whole knowledge collapses because nothing you believe now is true. Because everything can be false, can be proven now. And remember how I told you, knowledge is something that's true. So that's a minimum bar of knowledge. So if if, you, if, you, if your foundation itself is uh, contradictory, then your whole foundation, your whole building falls. But everything is false then, what you're believing, right? So you must be taken serious, that's what I'm saying, right? If you can't just throw it under the rug, there's major implications of it. And I think that's what they did back in the Council of Nicaea, yeah. which is, at first they used to have like a type of mortality, mort, mortality whatever it's called, um, of the Trinity. It was like an early version of Trinity where they believed that the Son can be the Father, the Father can be the Son, the Son can be the uh, Holy Ghost. Basically like they're... Moralistic. Yeah, exactly, it's moralistic. Uh, but that was considered a heresy during the Council of Nicaea. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, how are we going to battle all these like different ideals, dualism, uh, uh, adoptionism, all that stuff? So they just rushed it really quick and said, okay, we're going to be making this new um, type of trinity, which is still not the modern trinity. It's closer, where basically they use the image which I'm using mm-hmm. as well. For yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, 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 so now we can like kind of preface into social trinitarian and versus Latin trinitarian. It's also uh, in literature. It's also called relative trinitarian. So that's the other name for Latin trinitarian. But there is, you can also distinguish some relative models with Latin. But honestly, on college campuses, most people believe in the social trinitarian model because the Latin trinitarian model is hard to understand. It's not easy to understand, and it's philosophically difficult. The social trinitarian model is easy to understand philosophically. So could you like give an example? Yeah. So so the social trinitarian model would say that there is one essence of God and three persons. Okay. So okay. So the, the issue here is that there is there is something there's something in literature called the logical problem of the Trinity. Right. So we can first see that and see that these two models of the Trinity are a solution to the logical problem of the Trinity. 
right? That's why these two models are there to solve those seven that issue, the logical problem of Trinity. So the logical problem of Trinity goes as follows, right? So there's the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, so these three they have to agree with this, right? That's their basic Council of Nicaea or the Orthodox view. Mm -hmm. And then there is the Father's not the Son, the Father's not the Holy Spirit, and they all three are not each other, right? And the last one is there's one God. So you have these seven statements. Okay, now the question is, is how do you avoid a logical contradiction out of these seven statements? Because it is a contradiction when you look at it, right? How can there be one God when the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all gods, right? You, the three statements they agree, right? The Father is God, the Holy Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, right? And then you have there's one God in the end. So there's a contradiction at the face of it. There's an apparent contradiction. You can see it. There's also what was it called a verse that actually just proves it. Mm -hmm. um, the verse is, but about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Yeah. And that it kind of disproves it because how can the father have knowledge that the son and Holy Spirit doesn't have if they're all one being? Yeah. This verse is from Martin um, chapter chapter 13 verse 32 yeah so this we can yeah this is this is more towards the incarnation side but you're right uh, incarnation is like a whole topic on its own it has its own philosophical mess but if we talk specifically about the trinity the trinity has its own philosophical mess so we'll look specifically at the trinity but you're right absolutely this is not the only issue there's also the issue with aseity so when philosophers talk about aseity they mean independence so when, when we say god we say god is independent so we say that god has the attribute of a save that's the word they use but the issue is the son's not ase like, the son's not independent because the son, the, the, the father eternally begets the son. The son is not fully God. So, the way around this in Christian philosophers, what they say is, a seity is not a care property of God. But that's problematic. Mm -hmm. No intuitive person believes that independence is not a property of God. They say independence is the property of the person, not of the God. And I know it gets into this philosophical mess is how do you, well, you can make sense out of it because it's, they, they use definitions for persistently Wait, which means but the those... issue is is that the son's not fully god but the way they define god is that a sadi is not a property of god so you're saying that god is not independent that's what you're saying right that's how they're defining god when, so, okay when yeah, i tell you to yeah. define god right what are some character give me some properties of god um, he's independent. all knowing yeah independent um, right because he's not dependent right exactly anything. what they're saying is that the father as this person has the property of independence it's but the god essence does not have the property of independence so what it means to be god you don't need to have independence. Why would any person agree with this, right? And by the way, this is not just me saying this. This is scholars like William Lane Craig and uh, Ryan Mullins. They've been deemed heretical by the church because they're coming up with arguments saying, how can you have a son that's fully God, not have independence? So the, the Council of Constantinople was wrong with this. They made a mistake. They should have said that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all independent. They're all because they are fully God. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. That's their view. But I'm just showing, like, shedding some light on like the incarnation. But the incarnation is its own mess. The incarnation and SAD, mm -hmm. these are its own mess. We can focus specifically on the Trinity. Yeah, the reason um, why this huge mess happened, besides the Council of Nicaea, is because you know how um, in the Roman Empire, uh, in the state of Judea, um, the whole um, Jewish um, story happened with um, Jesus and how he um, became um, the prophet and stuff. So what happened was, whenever Jesus died and the apostles were trying to spread Christianity, the Romans had a different view of how importance was than the Christians. So um, the Christians, and I guess the Jewish people at the time, uh, they used to say Son of God as like a figurative thing, oh, you're important. Like in the Bible multiple times, they said, okay, um, 
Moses, son of God. Okay, so they went to the, um, so they did basically da'wah to the Christian, to the Roman pagans. And they said, okay, so you know how you say Caesar is the son of God? We say Jesus is the son of God. And the Romans don't think of it um, figuratively. They think of it literally because, you know, they're pagans. So they actually think stuff like that. Like Zeus and, um, Zeus, um, and Hera getting yeah. Hercules. And slowly that um, started to, um, to um, integrate with Christianity, Roman and Christian beliefs, and the Trinity became a thing. Yeah, yeah. Hishan, what do you think of like the, the conversation so far and like the Trinity? Yeah, I mean, it, it, based on your philosophical like uh, philosophy, and like I wanted to mention like I was giving this dialogue to this Christian, and he was talking about how, like you know, uh, like you know what, like for example, he said like the the mind is in one body, like the heart is in one body. You know, like and everything, like and then the, I guess maybe, maybe another body, <laughs> like another body part is in this one body. So basically, the all all these parts are in one body. So that that makes sense that Jesus is like three, uh, three, like you know, one like three persons and one God. Hello? You know, mm -hmm. and so I mean that doesn't make sense because that leads to partialism. Partialism is, is basically having three, three like one mini God. You know, mm -hmm. like two mini gods. You know, if the mm -hmm. Father is one, like one God. The Son is one God, the Holy Spirit is one God, and you and you compare that to like the mind, the heart, and the body, that doesn't make sense because the mind is a mini-god basically, that's what you're saying. It's, uh, it becomes Hinduism, kind of like the Hindu beliefs. Because Hinduism, they have one God, and that God created multiple other gods yes, as exactly. avatars. Exactly. And, and it's exactly the same thing. Exactly, and basically saying like, if you, and if, even if we have like, let's, let's say the Christians agree with tritheism, okay? So, and then, that's, this is the Quranic argument. Basically, if we have multiple gods, I mean, there were, we're leading to Hinduism, but I'm saying in the, this also happens in the Trinity as well. If, we, if there are multiple gods, then they would be clash, clashing each other. And that's the Quranic, Quranic's argument, saying that there can, be, there, can, there can only be one divine being who created the whole universe in a balanced nature, right? So historically, let's say that um, you're in a confederation, because that's basically what, um, Hinoism and the tritheism is. Yes. Exactly. And in the confederation, let's say that your northern border is getting attacked. Theoretically, you don't have to attack. So let's the, say the southern um con the southern state doesn't have to attack exactly. and help the northern so state. So let's say um okay, so in the American Civil War, Virginia was getting attacked. And Texas, they don't really care. That's like um four thousand miles away. Forty thousand. Forty thousand. Forty thousand. But anyway, they don't really care about um, helping Virginia because they're safe. And that's um, that's how it led to chaos in the Confederation and ultimately got dissolved. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's, that, that history is like really awesome. Like once you know about that, then that also contradicts with the Trinity as well in some, in some kind of way. But. And yeah. um, myth, mythologically? Uh, not mythologically, but like, um, yeah, mythologically, like. Zeus, basically Greek mythology, basically every type of mythology, Greek mythology and uh, Norse mythology in uh, particular, um, they had, um, they actually had Zeus fighting Hera because Zeus was like sleeping with a whole bunch of uh, women, animals, it was disgusting. But basically, um, Hera used to kill the other gods and they used to like have mischief and all that stuff, like um, Hades, he's like the worst of the gods, everyone hates him, but like, He's also still a god, so like, 
that doesn't that causes a lot of issues and like uh norse mythology there's going to be a huge battle between the gods and then what happens at the very end is life as we know it disappears like all life ends so, but like there's a rebirth type thing but that's later but basically like if different gods um if there's multiple gods there's going to be chaos because they all have the same um, ultimate power that they can do anything with Just and wait <laughs> and um I was giving down to this one Christian, and he believed that the um, Son, Father, and uh, Holy Spirit are all one. Like, they are one. So I was like, then that's just one God. And they're like, he was like, no, there's, each of them have different properties. And with that idea, I was like, then that means God has multiple personality syndrome. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. And, and um, whenever I told him that, he's like, that makes totally sense. And, I'm, and I told him, if that makes sense, how can we put multi-personality um, syndrome um, cases inside mental hospitals? We should like praise them because they have the same attributes as God. And he's like, no, this is like beyond our knowledge, all that stuff. That's whenever they're, he's using the what's called negative uh, mystery thing yeah. that Zayn was talking about earlier. Gotcha. And uh, since you talked about that, like basically the properties that you're talking that that christian was talking about he was talking about like essence you know like, just like so he was talking about essence basically and essence was is something like that ha that's only one you know because essence is something that's about like based on property like you know all knowing all all you know godly essence that's godly essence uh, our essence is like human essence is basically you know where we have limited knowledge or something you know that's that's one of the that's one of the properties and that's one essence now if we if they say that God is three persons, and God has three, like, uh, persons in one essence. Now, that can't be true because God can't be co-equal and co-existent at the same time because that's what essence, one of the problems of essence is, like, all-knowing or, like, you know, all-powerful, you know. How can there be one, how can there only be, like, multiple all-powerful? There can only be one all-powerful, you know? Even if there was, the Quran specifically says that if there are, there will be constant more. And let's say that they're civilized, then it'll, um, nothing will be done. Like, let's say the um, the governments of different countries, the Senate, they're just going to be arguing forever over um, topics that they're going to do. How's stuff going to be done? That's the reason why multiple gods don't work out. Also, um, going back to Sean's thing, idea, the essence um, theory, it's like saying that there's three chairs, or in our case, three humans. Yeah. We're, we all have different personalities and stuff, but we all share the common um, attribute of being human. So in that case, we're three in one. But that also contradicts because there's three beings. We have got one essence, but there's three beings. So that causes the um, contradiction of like three gods. And that causes polytheism, and polytheism is obviously her heretical. Heretical, yeah. For example, like basically saying Omer is one well, I'm not saying Omer, like, Omer is one, uh, one God, I am one God, Abdul is one God, and then we all have one essence, like, we're still three beings, like, mm -hmm. that, that, that caused that, and then that leads to either partialism, or either, because I could be more, like, you could be more powerful than me, or he could be more powerful than me, like, it could, like, it leads to partialism, and, you know, that, that, that contradicts, and, uh, and you're not even, we, let's talk, let's, uh, like, free of, um, Moving on, to, like we can talk about the biblical, about like biblical in the Bible, how it contradicts the Trinity as well. Because I don't think, I mean, I don't think I know that there is nothing in the Bible that that talks about the Trinity. Yeah, there there is one verse that Christian mostly most Christians talk about, and that is like 
uh, in the closings of the Old Testament. Uh, for, for in him Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, let's analyze this like in this statement, okay? Fullness of the God, God, God uh, the Godhead bodily, okay? Now, Paul, he talks about something similar to the Bible, okay, in the Bible, okay? And he says, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, now he, Paul is stating that the Father is like the head of all creation, okay? And then so this also conflict, like this also is a contradiction because it leads to heresy, like it leads to her heresy, basically. And basically saying the Father is the head of the Son. Now, if the Father was, and Trinity uh, says that the Father is this, like the Father is one God, the Son is one God, the Holy Spirit is one God, and they are co-equal and co coexisting. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, and this also again, because why would you, why would Paul say that Jesus? I mean, the the Son is like the Father. The Father is the head of creation when they're co-equal. You know, and that also that's one of the contradictions. Yeah. And um, if we look at this, uh, what's it called? Uh, through the different uh, scriptures in the Old Testament there was never any mention of being one God. Like, uh, even before Jesus was born, who they considered the Son, then there'll be dualism. Then there'll be the Father and the Holy Spirit. And there was no mention of being, there was a dualistic uh, type of um, God system back in the day. And, but So whenever they were at the Council of Nicaea, all the Christian heads, um, they came together and one of them had a very her heretical um, viewpoint his name was Marcion and he made the antithesis contradiction which is actually um, whenever there's two type there's two gods which is super like polytheistic one God which is the old um, Old Testament God who was like very vengeful he declared war he want everyone dead uh, there's a whole bunch of stories where they discuss this but then um, the good God, which is the New Testament God, came and uh, liberated the people, and that's why he sent. He came down as Jesus. This viewpoint is very was called. Uh, was called polytheistic. Polytheistic because they're saying that there's two gods, and the thing that makes makes this even more polytheistic, but sounds a lot like the Trinity, is that the Old Testament God is a lesser God. Because in one of their stories, whenever Adam ate from the apple and head from God, um, that lesser God went and said, where are you? Where are you, Adam? He doesn't have the um, power to see everything. So they literally made the Jew Jewish gods much smaller than the Christian gods, which is like them trying to destroy the Jews and yeah. them um, making trying to like appease the difference between both the New and Old Testament, which is polytheism, and basically destroys everything. Yeah. And so, like, they also, people like, I mean, apart from the Trinity, they also talk about the Son of God, Jesus as the Son of God. I mean, to me, that, like, I mean, it's not literal in the Bible, it's metaphorical, you know, because God also talks about angels being the Son of God, so, like, basically saying that whoever does something is the child of God, you know. And that, that's on the Bible, and so saying that is saying it metaphorically, not literally. So we are like, Son of God is something that, like, 
talks is talks about in the Bible over and over again, but not just about Jews, but someone else as well. And you could also make the um, point where um, Jesus has um, one mother and no father, right? Adam didn't have a mother or father. He was created purely from God. So in that point of view, that means Adam is also the son of God, which means that there's four beings, two sons, one father, and one Holy Spirit. And that just destroys it. Like you can even make a whole bunch of other statements like have all the angels, they they didn't have any fathers or mothers. Then you like add that on top of it, and you can add the gens, and then you can add basically like everyone that doesn't have anyone created creating it except God. Then like it would just stack up and become like Hinduism. Yeah. So with with respect to uh, you know like the opportunity with the Bible, you know there's like I think these arguments are independent, right? You can start from the Bible and make an argument against the Trinity. Right, that's an independent argument, and you can actually start from a philosophical side and also make an argument against Trinity. So independent. I think we can like use them together, or they can actually be independent. You don't even need the only thing you need the Bible for is to say, okay, where the Trinity is grounded, they're grounded in the Bible. That's all you need, and you need the concept of the Trinity from the Bible. That's it. Now the question is, if once you get the, your concept, whatever your concept is. By the way, there's like you, there's so many heresies. You can come up with multiple concepts of the Trinity. That's the issue, right? So let's say you come up with a model. How do you judge it's right? Because a a Latin Trinitarian will come up with his own model and say this is biblical. A social Trinitarian will come up with his own model and say this is Trinity. This is biblical. Can so you go back and give examples. Oh yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, because that's when I left, right? Mm-hmm. So, so a social Trinitarian will say that there's one essence of God and three persons. Okay. So, essence is defined as. Actually, we should be asking the Christians how they define these things. As, right. That's the first thing. But I'll tell you the general definition. Right. The first thing whenever you talk to Christians with Trinity is always asking definitions. That's the most important thing. I can come up with words like one X and three three who's, three three Y's. That doesn't ha- help me anything. You have to tell me what the X means and what the Y means. You need to tell me what those words mean. The issue you will cl- clearly see is that there's no way to define them. So any way you define them, you do heresies. It's not that I am superimposing my definition on them, right, when I give you these definitions. There's any definition they just, you did, give, they just didn't define them. Right. They just left the open. Yeah, and also, any definition they give, Inevitably, it's problems. No matter what they try. So I can give you some examples. So there's one essence and three persons, right? So an essence is defined as what a thing is, right? So this is. A, this. Oh, you already discussed this. Yeah. Well, I think I can repeat it because it's like some philosophical, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think because you guys read the paper too, so it feels repetitive. But I think for person people who are hearing for the first time. So Aristotle, like this is actually Aristotelian language. So this is Aristotle's language. So he uses words like essence, and he says essence is what it is. So if you look at a human, you're like, what is the essence of a human being? You go look at a human, whatever characteristics a human has, that's his essence. So what are properties, like a set of properties a thing has? I'm, I'm talking very vaguely because I want to do justice to the Christians. Right? I don't want to straw man their arguments. You know what I mean? So I want to define like a little vaguely because you can make up multiple definitions. The issue is, the crux is that essence is defined as what a thing is. It's simple, kind of vague, but it's fine. Because any definition now you get from it is going to be problematic. Now, you have three persons that have the essence of God, right? The question you should be asking is, how is this monotheistic? What is monotheistic about this model? What is oneness in this, right? Now, the answer they'll give you is the essence. The essence is what preserves monotheism. But the issue here is now, how would you differentiate between monotheism and polytheism? Because, for example, let's take the human race, all of humanity, right? All of the humanity shares one human essence. So... Are now what? How are human beings supposed to be one? They're one in category. They're not one in persons. Like there's still like multiple there's multiple persons, right? There's people, multiple exactly. people. Beings. There's like so. If I have like, for example, he has the human essence, 
completely. He has the human essence completely. I have the human essence completely. How many humans are there? There's three. There's three because that's how it is defined. Yeah. An essence is defined that way. An essence is defined what a thing is. So they're defining it as three beings being one, having one essence. Essence, having one, right? But like they're trying to like erase or cover up the three beings part because in yeah. that point of view you can technically just pray to one of the gods or to have the gods like the father who knows way more than the father than the son or holy spirit and begets the son as well exactly and if you believe in the filioque then it also begets the holy spirit mm -hmm. so then the father is actually this is why some philosophers have moved into a hierarchical model but we can come to that later wait what was the term that you used filioque filioque yeah. yeah i don't know how to exactly say it but that's f-i-l-l-o-q-u-e something like that yeah basically that begets the holy spirit as well <clears throat> Is it like a being or what? No, like, so you know how the father begets the son? Mm -hmm. So eternally emanates the son. And uh, they also, they some say that it also eternally emanates the Holy Spirit. So both of them are eternally dependent on God. Mm -hmm. So only the father is the one that's assay or independent. Yeah. The, uh, some people, because of this model, they take the view that a hierarchical model. They say father's on the top and they're at the bottom. And you're saying that he begets the... Um the physical son, like oh yeah. So this, yes, yeah, I don't want to get into like, uh, it, but but this is an interesting question, right? Because what they're saying is, is this is why it's problematic. Is they're saying that it's not that it begets the physical. No, no, no. It begets the very existence of the thing. So it is the whole existence of the son is dependent on the father. But it's problematic because you're saying the son is fully God. How is it possible? Yeah. And and if you I, you can concede to Christians. I know this topic was more about Trinity, but we're like going into like uh, emanation and like uh, causation. When you say that God eternally causes, right, the Son, you're saying that the Son cannot exist without the Father. Is this in like the Bible? Like no, this is in, no, this is in the Council of uh, Nicaea and and Constantinople. Because, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like dualism. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it it sounds like uh, the the hedonic, uh, what, no, Hinoism. Hinoism, right? Yeah. Hinoism. Yeah, like, it also kind sounds. Like in early Christianity, they had two major thoughts. Adoptionism, where God just literally just adopted uh, mm -hmm. Jesus, and um, dualism. And dualism has two different ideas. One where Jesus is like an illusion. He's too perfect to be a being, but he's not God. So like he's just an illusion. And the second point of view is that the literal baby was born by Mary, but then God inputted his um, spirit into, into him, which is weird because like the spirit is called the um the christ while jesus is like jesus so whenever he dies the spirit leaves him and then that's why he says lord why have you forsaken me but the thing is that was considered a heresy but now they're just rewording it and saying oh yeah it's part of the trend yeah so, and yeah. actually many christian theologians get this wrong like because for example you have like dr james white right like he's one of the famous right and even he gets this wrong and it's because they don't understand that they put a lot of philosophy in there, right? And then as someone who's not uh, educated on these words and terms and philosophical terms, they might get confused. And so, they might see there's an explanation. So James White, his explanation to me also doesn't make any sense. So I'm not even going to talk about it because it's... But if someone's interested, you can go like look at his explanations. But I'm thinking philosophers such as Ryan Mullins and William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig is a name that probably most people have heard about. Ryan Mullins is another philosopher. And they both disagree with completely with what James White says. Right, so they explain philosophically why he's wrong. But the issue here is that well, coming back to Trinity, the social Trinitarian model, right? You have one essence and three persons. So three persons are fully God. So and remember what I said: an essence is defined as what a thing is. That's how Aristotle defined it. That's how most philosophers define it. The issue is how do you, how does multiplicity come into essence? How uh, how how many things have the essence of what the thing is? Is how many things there are. 
right? I don't like, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of words in there, mm -hmm. but what I'm trying to say is this, how do you count stuff? How do you count three humans? Yeah. The, the way you count stuff is, by, by the way, this is Aristotelian theory of essence, right? This is his theory to understand the world. So Aristotle's theory, right? So he's using, saying, how do you count stuff? How do you count books? How do you count people? How many ever things have that essence? That, that's how many things you have. Well, that's logical, of, of course, because an essence is defined by what a thing is. It's the properties, it's a set of properties that a thing can have for it to be that thing. So independent, well, they don't define independent as a property of God, so we can give them this. Okay, fine, whatever. Right? I don't want to scrum in them. Okay, fine, you have a all-powerful, like these ones, right? All these uh, properties. Yeah, yeah, eternal. eternal uh, so these properties, right? All these properties. Whoever has these properties or the set of properties is the essence. Now, here's the issue. If all three of them have all these th set of properties, then there are three gods. There's no way around it. Yeah. Right? And secondly, um, in, from Christian belief, they believe that Jesus died on the cross. Then we tie see God because that's yeah. part of the Yeah. Well, yeah. So the thing is, like, you have the essence, which is what it is to be a God. And the essence isn't three people fully. It's not shared. Right? Because I know sometimes you can use the word shared, but when I say shared, you know, it could be taken in the wrong sense that somehow Jesus does not have the full God essence, right? So now it's shared, right? Like a third, third, yeah, third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not, that's not what they're saying, right? Because that's partial. That's a heresy. That's not what they're saying. They're saying that Jesus has the full essence of God. Whatever it means to be God, Jesus has it. Whatever it means to be God, the Father has it. Whatever it means to be God, the Holy Spirit has it. Had it, has it. Then there are three gods. And this is not my objection. Like I was saying, is most people misunderstand that I'm trying to do a word play here. That's not what I'm doing. The issue is, actually, the first question you should ask is, how do you explain the Trinity? Because they always point to the scripture, right? The moment you bring these objections, they'll point to scripture. But where is these words to the essence person in the Trinity, uh, Bible? They're not. These are philosophical terms. Yeah. So do you think that the philosophers are... Understand, they understand this problem. So are they, like, trying to do, like, trying to use these big words and um, big no, concepts no, to like, cover up stuff? No, no, no. Okay, so philosophers, I'll give them at least, like, some credit here, is they understand the problem. And they're trying to solve it. They try to solve it. I don't think their attempts are successful, but they try. They agree there's a problem. The difference between a Christian theologian and a Christian a theologian and philosopher can be mixed. Maybe like a, a someone like maybe like James White or like you know these other Christian or Christian people that you meet. The difference between them and a Christian philosopher is a Christian philosopher understands there's a problem. At least he agrees, right? So at least they get my credit for that. They agree there's a problem, which is what we can all see there's a problem. The Christian will not even agree there's a problem. They say, oh, there's no problem. There's a logical problem. No, there is. There is a problem. Yeah. Right? That's you need to agree at least with that. A Christian philosopher at least understands there's a problem and tries to resolve it. Right? That's the minimum you should do. Yeah. Right? Whether you succeed or not is a different story. I don't think Christian philosophers succeed. I can talk about that in like a few minutes, but I don't think they succeed in their in trying to solve the problem. But at least they understand there's a logical problem. The logical problem of the Trinity was not made up by me. It was made up by Michael Syria. He's a Christian philosopher. He came up with the logical problem of Trinity and he put it in these seven statements. He put it in three statements, but they're like he says, like uh, Father and Son and Holy Spirit are consubstantial. Like you know those words, like completely not understand. So I, I just put them in seven sentences. But the point is, is like that's not my logical problem. Trinity is not something I came up with. It's Michael Syria in his book, the Philosophical and Theological Essays on the Trinity. So that's the first page. It's in the preface, a preface. So, so this at least Christian philosophers understand the problem. They don't try to hide it, but that's why they call heretical. Because when they come up with a solution, it, it becomes a heresy. So they have a very rigid like box that they have which is a logical structure right it yeah. has to match a logical structure so basically they have a box and every time they try to like make something logical they actually go, go outside out of the box and then like that's heresy heresy so they have to erase it so it limits what they can do yeah. and from that limited space they can't actually 
fix the anything. problem. Exactly. So they have to either be, so see, here's what I say to the Christian, I say, you can actually get out of this contradiction. Actually, Trinity, you can believe in a Trinity that's not contradictory, but then it becomes heresy. Like, like issue, right? partialism? Yeah, partialism. partialism. We, can, we can touch on that, right? But you can, like, you can believe. Like, I wouldn't actually, if you believe in partialism, my work is done. Like, I don't care after that. Because at least, you, at wouldn't least. That be, uh, wouldn't that still be what's called uh, polytheism? Uh, it would be. But, like, what I'm saying is at least it's not contradiction anymore. At least you have come to a state now. I mean, now you're going against your whole history. Like, yeah, yeah, the issue yeah. now is now you have other problems, right? But the philosophical side is done, right? The, the part of the philosophy is done now. Now you have to go against the scripture and your councils. All the ecumenical councils, you have to go against all their words now. Exactly. Right? That's, now that's a historical problem. Now. First you had a philosophical problem, right? My work is done. The moment you agree there's a philosophical problem, my work is done. Now you have to have a historical problem. That's a different state, right? So there's both problems. And that's what I, but yeah, so with respect to like, so I think, so the, the social Trinitarian model makes sense, right? You have like one essence of God and three persons. So the question you should first ask is, why is this monotheistic? What preserves that oneness? Okay? They will say that because there's one God essence. You know, so on, on the essence theory of like, like how Aristotle defines essence, there can always be only one essence for everything. There's always only one human essence. There's always one animal essence. So, so how can like you get one any... thing for each category? Yeah. That's how, well, how do you define a category? You define it by oneness, right? The category mm -hmm. is one. So... How is that preserving monotheism? Because how do you differentiate between monotheism and polytheism? You can't. Exactly. You would have to say there's three God essences. But that's not possible. Uh, from an essence view of metaphysics, like so this is actually going into metaphysics, if you look at philosophy. And on essence view, there can always be one essence for a category. That's how essence is defined. So they have to say, no, 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 there can be multiple essences. But guess what they're doing here, right? They're going in a different, so there's two views in, in metaphysics. There's an essence view, and there's called a troop view. There's two views. The essence view says that all human beings, everything that you have, has one essence. So, like, so if you have a class, like a, like a chair, right? Mm -hmm. Chair has one chair essence that all these things have. Tables, a bunch of tables, all of them have the table essence. A troop theory is saying, no, 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 this table has its own troop. So they, they they have a different theory of metaphysics, okay? But the issue is they made a jump. They went from essence theory of, of metaphysics and philosophy into troop theory. The issue with the troop theory now, the troop theory has its own issues. What I'm saying is, then you should say that there's one truth. You shouldn't say there's one essence, right? Now the truth theory has its own problem, it'll run into the same issues of partials and all of those issues. But talking specific from the essence theory is that you can only have one essence. There's no way around it. And actually you can prove logically there can only be one essence. Why? Because if you have like two essences of God, right? Either one's greater than the other or one's less than the other. And then you would, they, you would just make them equal. So basically, there's, there's something called Leibniz's law. It says that if two things are different, and there's a difference between them. If there's no difference between two things, they're equal. Then they're saying it's exactly like what's it called, subatomic um, atoms. For an uh, electron, if it has the same um, pulse, if it has the same uh, spin, if it has the same uh, positive and negative charge, it's the same. Yeah. That that's that's how they define an electron because like an electron cannot be in the same area, cannot be in two places yeah. at one. No, it can be, Two atoms, two electrons cannot be in the same place at once. If so, it's the same atom. Yeah. It's the same electron. Yeah, yeah. So so going back to the truth theory, remember, so truth theory is something called, it's, it, the name is called the bundle theory. So you have essence and you have bundle theory, right? These are two, two theories of metaphysics, okay? There's other theories as well, but this is like, like you know, like dumbed down version, yeah. okay? So there's essence and, and bundle theory. Bundle theory will say that the table has its own truth, which is different from that table's truth, even though they look e e very similar, What's a right? Truth? A truth is like, so an essence is a set of properties that this table has, right? 
the, the truth theory says there's no such thing as essence that's different. The moment you, you, you say an essence is different from the thing, that thing is no longer there. So an essence theory actually, I don't want to get too into philosophy here, but an essence theory says that you can actually take this object table and you can take away the essence from it. But then if you take away the essence of the table, what remains here? So the essence... It's nothing. No, yeah, that was the true people would say, the bundle theory people. But the essence theory, they believe there's some sort of object still there. Right? So like a... Yeah, it's like, like, a it's like, chef, yeah, like a... yeah, like some sort of like three, well, they, they don't describe it, it's called a substance, it's a substance. There's a substance here that has these properties. So it's like whenever a cartoon... It's a substance with no properties. So it's like a cartoon whenever it runs off and then like it leaves a shadow of dust. Yeah, 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 kind of like that. What, it, what it's saying is there's a substance that has no properties, zero properties. And this substance exists. And that, yeah, I know that's why there's two theories, right? That's why people who didn't like this, they went here, right? Like, you know what I mean? I'm saying that there's two theories. The issue is, but that's why I don't want to get too deep into philosophy because the moment you get, you're like, okay, what, where is this going? Right? But I, I agree with you. But it, let's, on the face value, right, with essence, it makes sense to most people. I don't want to go too because there is criticisms of both essence theory and bundle theory, like it goes both ways, okay? So without getting too much into philosophy, you have on the other side the bundle theory, which says there are different truths. So the table has its own truth. The moment you take away the properties of a table, it's no, there's nothing here, okay? This basically is politics. Like there's no, because if you now say, because there's no one God essence anymore, right? There's one troop of God. There's The Father has his own troop of God. The Jesus has his own troop of God. The Holy Spirit has his own troop of God. It's even worse than the essence theory. You see what I mean? When they made the switch, they didn't realize that's tritheism. And it's not me saying it's Rob Coons. He, he's a philosopher in uh, UT, Austin. And he does, he takes the essence theory. And he says the exact reason. He, he had an interview with Ryan Mullins, the other guy I was talking about. And Ryan Mullins asks him this question. In his interview, he says, "Why would you would you consider taking a truth theory?" What an explain the truth. He said, "No, that's so problematic. Because when you say truth, you're saying the Father has its own truth of God, or like the table has its own truth. There's no one God essence in it. Each Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have their own truth of Godness. Each that's that's polytheism. There's no one. Right. Even here, there's, that's, there, it's even worse than the essence theory. You're, you're like complete polytheist. So now going back to the problem. Remember, I told you the distinction between monotheism and polytheism." What is this thing? If you say it has to be more than one essence of God, it's impossible. On an essence theory of metaphysics, it's impossible. Then use the word true. But if you use the word true, then it's positive. There's no way around it. It's, there's three modes. There's either monotheism, believing in one God, henotheism, believing in one God, creating other God. Yeah. So it's like, which yeah. is like a weird it's mix of... It's a weird of mix of polytheism and monotheism. And polytheism is just a simple version of saying there's multiple gods. And Christianity isn't that weird mix um, such as Hinoism. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing I want to reiterate here is that when a person, when a Christian says that the only reason why something is monotheistic is because they have one essence, that's false. That's a wrong understanding of what they're using, the words they're using, because essence is defined as a set of properties that a thing has. Now, if you say that the set of properties that God has, Jesus has, and the Holy Spirit are different, right? Then you have three gods. So the essence is defined as a set of properties. So you're saying the, the gods and the Holy Spirit have these common set of properties what it means for them to be God. Then there are three gods, by definition. Okay, so when this, this is called a tritheism objection, that they are, it's tritheism. And so let me give you like some, some ways that Christian philosophers try to get out of this, because the Christian people, like normal laymen, are unable to get out of this. So I'll give you like some, uh, I'll play the devil's advocate for them. <laughs> but so they come up with, but ultimately I don't think anyone here will find them satisfying, because you'll see in a minute. So for example, 
you have people like Richard Swinburne, right? Richard Swinburne, he's a philosopher at Oxford, and he's a very influential philosopher in the 20th century. So he has a model called the, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what it's called, I think it's called the functional, uh, um, functional social Trinitarian model. So in social Trinitarian models, philosophers have come up with many models to explain. There's many models even within. Okay, so it's not like like a complete like, like you're not the only two you're done. Right? There's many sects kind of within but it. But these too. are like the biggest two. Yeah, th no, these are two within them like subgroups. So in social Trinitarian, there's a functional social Trinitarian model. This is I'm, I'm just giving you a free example to show you like the lay of the land of how philosophers, what's going on in the literature right now. By the way, these developments have been only in the last 20, 30 years. Like this development used to relate to philosophy. These are not like 50 years old. So. So what did they do back 50 years ago? Well, because, so so this is interesting. Right? This is again, no, no, no. So this is interesting. That's a good question. Now. So the thing is, is like, this. there's a new, like, there was a new revamp in analytic philosophy. So analytic philosophy is a much more rigorous, okay? So I have, I have to get into the philosophy, uh, history of philosophy a little bit, but here's what, what I'm trying to say is like, analytic philosophy is a new trend. This, this term analytic philosophy, it's a new trend. So it started off with Greek philosophy, right? And then it went into continental philosophy. Continental philosophy is the Hindu philosophy, the Muslim philosophy, all these continental. And then you had this Enlightenment philosophy. Which is on religion? No, no, this is general philosophy. This so is just general. Uh, I'm just saying. So when, yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is like after the Enlightenment philosophy, then it comes analytic philosophy. So it's like a trend, right? Analytic philosophy is the first type of philosophy that went back. And they're like, let's actually apply and see what's going on here. You and see that's what I mean? where things go. None of them did by that level, right? Now I know. I'm not gonna like completely, because that's a very general statement of what I'm saying, because Aquinas, Augustine, these guys actually did apply philosophy to Trinity, but they have they had their own models of the Trinity and stuff too. We can talk about that too, but they did apply it. But these uh, models such as the function, so, a functional social Trinitarian model, that's recent. It's not, a, that's why it's heretical, because he just came up with it. Mm -hmm. He came up with it to explain, so the, what's the function, okay? So there's Richard Swinburne, right? He, he holds this model, and the Joshua Sijawati, that's another philosopher. They both hold this view. What is it, okay? They basically say that it's monotheistic because the, all three, they're independent, right? These three beings, they're not independent, but they would say maybe independent, doesn't matter. Though. These things, they ha have their own will, right? I mean, you know, this is a person, this is a person, they all have a will, right? If that's what it means to be a person. But they function as one. So, so that's like what it's monotheistic. What? Like a hive mind? Yeah, so that's what's one. But then they would have their own personality. Right, right. right. Now there's two ways to understand this, right? One is to say that their wills are completely different, yet they act as one. So therefore, it's monotheistic. But that's a weak definition of monotheism, right? No one would accept it, right? Yeah. You see why it's problematic, right? Now, they've gotten out of the contradiction. But, well, there's another one I want to talk about partialism later, but they got out of the contradiction, but now but they, they have a notion of monotheism. Because even with the hive mind type thing, there's still three beings. It's, it's basically tritheism, right? Yeah. But what they're saying is because it functions as one, it's monotheistic. But no person would agree with that definition. They just rechange definition. It's, it's too loose, right? It's too, like... So if, even if there were it's a billion gods, yeah, it's barely, it's on the edge now. Because even if there's a billion gods and they have the same will, you're saying there's one person. No one would agree with that, mm -hmm. right? You have a, that's why I think it's problematic. It's because just because of their functionality does not imply it's multiplicity, right? Just because they function as one does not mean they're one. That's what he's saying. If their function is one, that's monotheistic. But how many Christians were willing to bite the bullet and say, just because three things function as one, it's one God. How many people, religious people, monotheistic people are agree? No one's gonna well, agree to that. Yeah. No one. Then how do you distinguish between a billion gods having the same will? You're still gonna say there's one god because they function as one. So how do you differentiate the multiplicity? But but apparently, if you have look at how the counting works, right? If you have nine hundred and ninety-nine gods that have one will and one god that has a different will, then there's two gods. You see the issue here, right? 
how would you the notion of multiplicity is gone now. No, exactly. the, the, the definition of, oh, these, these are Christian philosophers trying to come up with their models, right? But you see it's not successful because, unfortunately, it's a heresy. That's the first issue. The second issue is, is it's such a loose definition of monotheism that Brian left out. Like, he's, a, he's a Latin Trinitarian. We'll come to that later because that is, needs some flushing. <laughs> Latin Trinitarian model. He basically hates the social Trinitarians because he says they're tritheism. That's, that's what he says, right? So he's like, well, you guys are just doing tritheism. This is just tritheism. This is not me. Brian Leftow says this. Right? And he's a Christian philosopher, but he believes in relative, like Latin Trinitarian model. We'll get to that later. So this is one example I'm giving you a solution, right? That's how the Christian philosopher came up with solution. You still see it's problematic. There's other models of social entertainment. That, that's one way to like get out of this contradiction, okay? So does that make sense, like what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So just because it functions as one, they're saying it's one. Right, so it's just one God. You guys have anything to add? You know I mean? You understand? I, I, I understand? You understand the line of thought, right? What they're, trying, they're trying to solve that logical problem of Trinity that I showed before. Right? They're trying to solve it. So when I'm trying to solve it, if you have all three of them are gods and there's one God, it's impossible, right? So what they say is, is the Father is God is predication. You're giving the property of God to the Father. So that way you avoid the contradiction. Because there's still one God essence, but each of them have it. So you're avoiding the contradiction. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing. So to get out of that logical problem. But now the moment they get out of it, you have tritheism waiting for you. And then if you get out of, try to get out of tritheism, then you have like partialism, which I'll talk about. Yeah, it's like going around the bush, but like you're gonna- Yeah, because that's the issue. So at least I think that the Christian mainstream should at least agree that they're tritheistic, but they also claim they're monotheistic. That's the contradiction, right? At least if they agree it's tritheism, then we can have other objections to tritheism. But the fact that just to make them agree that they're tritheistic takes most of the time. At least they should agree, okay, it's tritheism, and you're done, and right? That goes back to our very first, um, um, discussion where why would God make something so complicated for people who don't understand fully like yeah and monotheism in Islam it's simple it's simple exactly one God yeah. that's it like he sent prophets to um, go to the people while um in Christianity they use things like three gods one being blah blah blah, blah all that stuff no you I agree okay. oh, yeah. and Allah Allah talks about one having like one God like Clearly in the Quran, right? 112th chapter, um, say he is one, he is self-sufficient, he doesn't beget nor is he begotten, he doesn't have a son nor is he born, and there's nothing, nothing like him. Like it's clear evidence that Allah is the only God who created the universe, like, and, and like, and that contradicts like the Trinity, the, you know, yeah, having multiple gods. Ultimately, the, the Islamic concept of God and the Jewish as well will be much more simpler than the Christian concept of God, which is kind of obvious. Okay, so this is like the social trinitarian. I'm gonna have the other objection, which is a partialism objection. As, by the way, this is not mine. This is so Brian left out. He wrote, writes a paper in 1999. That's what I said. Like it's just 20, 30 years. It's a development in 20, yeah. 30 years. So he's he believes in in Latin trinitarian, and he's a follower of Aquinas. So Aquinas, they had a different model of the Trinity. We'll get into that. So Brian left out. He he writes this paper called anti-social trinitarian. Yeah, we discussed that. Oh, you did discuss it. Yeah. So he, he wrote this paper in 1999, so I actually read through it. I, I, if anyone likes philosophy, I think they should read it because it's, I mean, if you're not into philosophy, then you won't like it. But it's, it's a, uh, it's, yeah, so it basically sums up, yeah, so basically it sums up all the different models of Trinity and shows his objections. He raises a bunch of objections. Yeah, he was right? considered heretical and like kicked out the whole church. Yeah, so he's like, he came up with multiple objections to uh, Brian, what Brian Leftow came up with multiple objections against. So with functional monotheism, he just says like, just because we act as one doesn't mean we're one. Like he basically makes multiple arguments. One of the major arguments he makes, this is the whole crux of his paper. 
Is he saying, okay, think about it this way. If you say that like either the the Trinity as a whole, right? Either it, it is, has God's essence or it doesn't. Because if you say three act as one, you're saying there is this extra consciousness. Because remember in functional monotheism, what they're saying is all of their wills are independent, right? But the Trinity as a whole can only will whatever the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all of them will. So if the Father wants to create a universe, He can't create it until the Son and the Holy Spirit also will it. And that limits Him. Right. But it's not just the limiting part. He, he, Brian Lester, of course, talks about the limiting part, right? Mm -hmm. but we, the main crux of his paper is he's focusing on something else. He's saying that, okay, fine. The Father cannot create until the Son creates it, right? The Trinity is like a separate entity from these three things. Because the Trinity can do things that these guys, like, the, the, the stuff that Trinity can do is not equal to the stuff these guys can do. Because the Trinity can only do things that all three of them agree with. So you're now giving a trinity a sense of like this separate being than these three. And that's how he tries to argue there are four beings. So his argument is much more rigorous. So what he's trying to say is this, like, the Christian thinks that I'm doing magic. Well, they should go talk to Brian Lefton, not me. It's not mm -hmm. my argument. So go talk to Brian Lefton and tell him he's doing magic. But he's not, because most Christian philosophers agree is his argument basically, you have to concede his partialism. So how, do you, how does he go about it? He says that the trinity as a whole either has the God's essence or it doesn't. There's only two possibilities. That's it. I didn't need to write this. Give me another possibility. I don't think there's another one. Yeah. Either it has God's essence or it doesn't. Now, if it has God's essence, you have four people. If it has God's essence, if the Trinity as a whole has God's essence, there's four gods. Because you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity. That's a whole thing. And most people they get confused. They're like, how can the thing itself... No, because, okay, well, how do you define a person? That's why you should always ask them the definitions. And it's hard to define persons a little bit, so I, I, I don't want to like push too much on them as well. You know, I don't want to be unfair. But... But normally, how you can define persons by saying like, oh, whatever has a role and a will, right? And since it has a yeah. role. And a will. A will? Oh. <laughs> the will is the, the will of the, all three of them. But whatever the Trinity will is whatever all three of them have to will. And it has a role. And, and the role is different from the Father, the Son, because the role of the Trinity is the role of all three of them, like intersection. So the Father has a different role than the, than the Holy Spirit, right? Well, when their roles match, that's the role of the Trinity. So it has a role and a will. Now, you can try to get around this, but the issue is, is like, the Trinity either has a God's essence or it doesn't. It's two possibilities. If you say it has these four persons, you're done. You have to say, you know, Trinity is special, right? You, you already need partialism. You have to say Trinity is somehow different than the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you basically need partialism. Because you're saying the Trinity somehow is distinct. It's divine in a way that's different than the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? That's basically partialism. So, so, because the first objection that comes to them is like, no, 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 no. The, the ways that the... The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are divine. It's not the same whether the Trinity is divine. That's just questions. Because they, they're confused, right? They're like, because they feel like I've just done magic. Wait, who says that? No, because like they'll implicitly say it. Because you know why? Because the moment it, it, it seems like magic to them. Because when I say like, the Trinity either has the God's essence or it doesn't. If the Trinity has God's essence, there's four persons. Right? They'll be like, no, 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 no. The Trinity does not have God's essence in that way. Just to avoid the contradiction. But then if it has it another way, then you have, you basically have partials. Okay, then I have a question for you. Yeah, well, if the Trinity, like, if, if we, Trinity is divine, and that includes people that are God, like, the Quran is also divine. No, 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 no. <clears throat> so, so, the issue with that is, like, we say the Quran is divine in a different way than Allah. Yeah. Right? That's the whole point. That's what we want them to concede in the first place. We don't worship the Quran, like, you know? Yeah. We want, that's what we're trying to make them concede, is the Father is divine in a different way than the Trinity. That's the whole point of our... Now, uh, the, why is the Quran divine? Because it's the words of Allah, eternal word of Allah. Okay? Yeah. Now, uh, think about it this way, right? Can the, can the Quran exist independent of God? 
You can't. It's it, it, it dependent on God. How, do, how does it depend? Okay, think of it like the sun, right? Imagine the sun is eternally throwing rays. The rays are dependent on the sun in, different, in a causal way. God is, that's the words of God. Okay? So, that's what I'm saying is like, is the, just because something is divine does not mean it needs to have God's essence. Right? I, I, I said that to make it simple because they were not understanding it. The, the whole point actually, even funny, is like, let me give you the statement, right? X is divine if and only if it has God's essence. Okay? Now, in Muslim doesn't have to agree with that. They can see there's many ways to be No issues. Actually, a Christian can also disagree with it. They can say, yeah, no problem. Like, for example, for them, the Bible is divine. Okay. You'll see, something doesn't have to be divine just because it has God's essence. Right? Here's a question, though. Is the Trinity divine? Right? They'll say yes. Right? The Trinity has to be divine. Okay. Does it have God's essence? Then? Yes. And they're like, yes. Then there's four persons. Yeah. If they say no, what they're saying is there's two multiple ways to be divine in the Trinity itself. And that causes like a whole never. And that leads to partialism. Because if there's two ways to be divine, one's greater than the other, or one's less than the other, or they're equal. If they're equal, then you have four persons. One's greater than the other, partialism. See the issue now? So when you say the Quran is divine, we agree there's multiple ways to be divine. We agree, and because we don't worship the Quran, we don't have that issue of partialism. Okay, we can agree with partialism, right? We can say the Quran is less divine in a way than Allah. Of course we can say that because the Quran comes from God. Your God doesn't come from Quran. Quran. That's not how it works, right? The words of Allah come from Allah. So we can agree that, okay, there is a sense of, there's a sense of like partialism, right? Like, okay, the Quran is somehow less divine than Allah. Okay, no problem. We don't have an issue. We don't worship the Quran. It's not an issue for us. It's an issue for them because they're saying that Jesus is fully God. Well, now there's an issue because their whole justice depends on Jesus being fully God. So you see how logically their whole system falls down there. That's what I'm trying to say. So you gotta understand what Brian Lefty was saying, right? He's basically making you admit that in the Trinity itself, there's many ways to be divine. And if there are many ways to be divine, it leads you to partialism. Now, yeah, sorry. Oh, so my um, question is this. Okay, using all this stuff, how can you actually apply it to a Christian? Like, oh yeah, I agree. Your experience in that one. Yeah, yeah, so basically what you can do is you can explain to them that the view that there's one essence and three persons basically leads you to heresy. So either change your views or understand that ultimately Trinity itself is a contradiction or it's a heresy. So either you have a historical problem or you have a logical problem. So which one would you rather choose? Would you choose here you have the Islamic concept of God and here you have a Trinity? You be honest with yourself, logically and historically, which one's more preserved? Remember, it's a question of preservation, right? If you have a historical problem with the Trinity, you have one logical and a historical, right? The logical is just a contradiction. The historical one is a preservation problem. That means those councils got it wrong. Yeah. That's what you're saying, basically. That's what you're admitting. All those councils and the church fathers, all of them got it wrong. Yeah. But the issue with this is, yeah. and then on the other hand, you have the Muslim concept of God, which is you can reason, you reach it through reason. It's simple, it's understandable, and it's preserved. Okay, you have these two ones. Which one would you accept? Yeah, yeah. Which one would you accept? Right. So that's the question you should ask yourself. No. Well, actually, Shias have a they they have a correct. This, I don't think it's like they they have a they they're, they just the extreme one. I don't. Which Muslim sect has like extreme version of that? Wahhabi are the, basically the terrorists. That's the. the they have like the anthropomorphic. Is that what you saying? Okay, that yeah. So um, I was giving doubt to this one Christian, and he was saying that God literally made Jesus. Like he literally made him. And they like sent him inside the womb of uh, uh, Mary. But the thing is, with that point of view, that means Adam is also the son of God because he was made by God. 
Using I, the using the um also you, if you stretch it out a bit more you can say that everything that was created first like for example angels I mean everyone's basically channeled by that would, that would be like a yeah what's the what's the freaking uh, Baptist no they're not Baptist what's the new church that was found in U S like the new like, oh Mormon. Mormons Mormons there Mormons. you go they, they basically say that so like uh, they're like everyone's channeled by yeah. but like um, um, using yeah basically by that reasoning what are you saying okay but like if you stretch it out a bit more to like regular everyday people, you could say that you're a computer science major. Like you could say that your code is your son. So like he has the same uh, what's it called attributes. attributes as you, and he has the same uh, mind as you. Yeah, so like yeah. he's also you. Yeah. So like you could say that. Yeah. Or, anything created or like, or like a cake. Yeah. You wouldn't consider a cake your son. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Or I agree. a chair or something I like agree. that. That wouldn't work. I agree. Also, do you call this? Oh yeah, we can like uh, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. We can I can I, I can touch like flash like ten minutes on like lacking trend can because I didn't talk about it in the paper either. But like, I think that's like most people don't believe in it. So I mean, people most people on campus because it's too hard. Also, we do a little skit. It's a TV skit. Yeah, yeah. So you want to do a TV skit on it? Oh, no, 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 just on. Uh, oh, in general. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. But but you aren't like the Brian left out objections understood, right? Like what he's yeah. saying. And and by the way, basically what he's saying in the end is that if you start with the premise that there's one essence and three persons, you end up with the premise that only the Trinity has God's essence. So basically, it's one divine thing, which is the Trinity as a whole. But these three things have something else. They don't have like God's essence. So they're divine in a different way. That's the um. That's partialism, basically. Okay, so what's the L? Oh yeah, so Latin Trinitarian, okay, this is gonna be a little confusing, right? Get your minds fired up, you know what I mean? Like, this is philosophically, because it goes against, so, okay, so in relative identity, uh, in relative uh, Trinitarian model, there's, you can come up with two models, okay? One is a Latin Trinitarian model, and you can come up with something called a relative, right? The relative name, right? So it's kind of like, there's two, right? So two. we already know the relative one, right? What? right? We can cover, like, both ways, it takes five minutes, by the way, it's not gonna take long. Uh, so... You guys are gonna have more questions when I tell you because it's not easy to understand. Okay, let's start with the. Which one should we start? Let's start with the little like Latin Trinitarian. So, for example, let's start with Aquinas, for example. So, Thomas Aquinas, he's like a Catholic. So, he holds this view of. So, first you have to understand how they understand God. So, when they say God exists, they think of God and his attributes, right? That God is equal to his attributes. God has no distinctions inside him. Like, not even metaphysical. Forget physical. So even when we say Allah has a property of being good, like they're saying that that God cannot even have the property of good. So goodness property is God itself. So there's no parts. So that's what metaphysical means? Yeah, metaphysical is not even physical, right? Like something like you have the property of being like strong or like strength, right? That's, that's property of you. That you're equal to that property. Like literally, you, we can't differentiate anything. So they're basically so they're like oh we're really strictly oh, the question's already arising. So yeah, th this is what she's, this is what they're saying. So, so God is God, but but goodness is not God. No. Goodness is above God. Okay. So uh, if I had a board, I'd be better. Oh, so yeah, basically, what they're saying is no, it's fine, but they can't see it. <laughs> okay. So think about it this way, right? You have the attribute of goodness, the attribute of anger, the attribute of love. The attribute of strength they're all equal to each other they're not different right so there's no even like there's no parts in god huh there's literally no parts like even metaphysical parts and i know like most people don't understand what metaphysical when i say metaphysical i mean like when i say like the table has the properties of has certain properties right or yeah hardness they would say that these are metaphysical parts of the table there's still parts of the table 
I, I told you, bro. This is don't worry. This is like don't think too hard about it. You know, you, you need some. You need some. You need. You need, you need, you need I told you. That's why I didn't. I didn't write up about Hungarian because no one's gonna understand. But first, you have to understand the con. Come on, we didn't even get into Trinity. Okay, so basically, oh, yeah, you're right. So what's happening? Because that that actually influences how people you are in Trinity. Trinity will be next episode. Oh, by the way, on this view of God, I don't see how you can get into Trinity. Impossible. Yeah. When they're saying there's no parts in God, no parts. Bro, I, 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 that's modalism. Like, see, you know, on one side, social Trinitarian model has the objection of tritheism, right? Mm -hmm. The other side, Latin Trinitarian or relative Trinitarian, those two models have the have the objection of uh, modalism. You have these, like, you know what I mean? On both issues, you have an issue, which is why I think they both don't solve the issue. Because on one side, you're committing a heresy of tritheism or partialism. On the other hand, you're committing modalism. Tell me, if first you have to understand the concept of God, right? So you have a God, you have his properties, right? His properties are not in God. Like when I say the property of hardness in the table, you can't see that one. Because the property of hardness is the table. Like all the properties are equal to each other. Hardness is not distinct from wood. Hardness is equal to the wood. So now, I know it's like hard to understand. What they're saying is it's like philosophers made this? This is kind of like Aristotle's argument for God's existence, actually. So he had a concept of God, which is what he calls it the unmoved mover. So he's like, the God has no parts, no potentiality, nothing. Like nothing, he has like no potential. It's a very, very abstract view of God. Like very abstract. It's a very Greek version. But that's actually, that's interesting. That's because I think that the Greek philosophy really, I mean, Aquinas basically follows everything the cat, the, the Greek, uh, Aristotle and Aristotelian, all these words that I'm using. Plato. Plato, Plato. Plato also had a very similar concept of God, very abstract. Uh, actually, Plato's God didn't even have a will. So it's not even God anymore. But uh, the Greek, uh, Aristotle's God at least had a will. Um, so the thing is, is like with, uh, what do you call it? It, it affected Islamic philosophers as well, like Avicenna and other Avicenna, and these guys actually had some Greek influence. But it influenced the most of the Catholic. So Aquinas is Catholic, right? Most Catholics actually believe this, like, class, it, like the, this concept of God. So you have to first understand the concept of God. Now tell me, how can you have Trinity on this concept of God? There's no way. Like, yeah. You know, I, I know Brian left out. He's a follower of Aquinas. And he has a model. But I don't know how you avoid modalism on this. Bro, help me understand these Christians. Like, it's modalism. Modalism means you're saying, oh yeah, I didn't define modalism, right? Modalism would be like, so imagine like it's me, right? Simple example. Tomorrow I wear different clothes, right? It's the same person. I'm in a different mode. It's the same person. It's just me. So imagine the father is just equal to the son. It's just father came down. The father literally came down as a son. Isn't that just one God then? It's just one God. Exactly. You're right. It's, 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 it's like what I was saying earlier where... Oh, it's amazing. It's like they call... Uh, all the trinity just one just god. one god but they're different modes so oh modes in the sense like like the father is equal to the son and, and it's equal to the holy spirit so modalism, but it's just in a different mode so modalism is more like monotheism that's what i'm saying you're right you're right so i mean the, the concept of god i just gave you is the most monotheist you can get <laughs> it's an extreme monotheism like there is there is monotheism and then there is extreme monotheism that, that aquinas is, is actually extreme monotheism right he's basically saying they're not even properties of God. Like even the properties are equal to God. So you literally, there are no parts in it. And more, moralism is... Moralism. Uh, is heresy. heresy. Yeah. So, there's no, so basically, now how Aquinas introduced to so they're basically saying they don't want to believe in one God. They're basically making like so many obstacles to where you basically cannot say that it's one God. Yeah. Like, but if you say there's one God, then you have an issue again. So it's like, you know, that's, that's why, why everyone keeps saying they're monotheistic faith. They're not, that's what I'm saying. If you take the social turn, if you take, at least if they take the Aquinas' view 
I could at least grant them, okay, fine, at least you're monotheistic by definition. That's why we have to be Muslim. <laughs> yeah, but that's his general, so now, on this view, what they would say is like, this is the sentence he used, right? We have like three minutes left, it'll be fine. Don't think too hard about this, bro. Don't, don't spoil, I, I, I thought about this, because I read Aquinas. Uh, how Aquinas explains this is beyond the scope. We'll need like two or well, two weeks, you know, like they, he, he has his own explanation how he gets out of this, but I, <laughs> it just needs a model. So I'll explain to you in a simple example. So they say like, the father and the son are the same God, but they're different persons. Okay, that's their sentence. Remember the sentence, right, difference. Here he was saying there's one essence of three persons, right? Here he's saying there's two gods, and no, there's the same God, but different persons. You see like the, the sentence is different, right? Focus on the sentence. One essence of three persons, Father and the Son are the same God, but different persons. What's the difference? Okay, so the second one is saying that. Yeah, I'm to give an example, because otherwise you're not going to understand this. Okay. Uh, take an example of like, uh, like. Oh, sorry. Are we getting this Oh, we'll just put this Yeah, basically, actually, no, I don't think, I think it's fine. I, I've thought it's important. Uh, take, take the number uh, two over six and one over three. Right, very simple. They're same. Yeah, they're the same numbers, but they're not the same symbolics, meaning the same symbols are not used. So what they argue is something called relative identity. This goes against classical logic, by the way. So they're using a different type of logic. It's it's kind of problematic, but you know I'm I'm okay with it. Like, I mean, there's some there's some issues with it, but again, that's too philosophical. But what they're saying is like one over six and what, what example did I use? One over six and two over twelve. It doesn't matter. Just multiply by two, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, one over six, whatever. Right? I don't care. So one over six and two over twelve, right? They're the same number, but they're different symbolics. The symbols you're using are different. So something can be same in one sense and different in another sense. We're I'm okay with accepting that, right? Philosophically on the face of it. The issue now is, is this models. Because the number, one over six and two over 12, is the same number in different form. But the essence of the number is the same. When you have two over 12, if, if I use the word, the, the number two over 12 in my mathematical calculation, in my mathematical system, it'll do the same things if I put in one over six. So the numbers are the same. The way you represent them, the modes are different. But that's not what the Christian belief is. It's not modalism. That's modalism. So, for example, another uh, Michael Syria, he has his own model. He says that you have a, imagine like a like a ball of clay, right? And you make a statue with it. So you have a ball of clay. His name is Lucy, for example, right? And you make this, yeah. And then he makes this. Uh, you make a, a a statue. That's a pillar. It's a statue. It's a pillar and a statue. Does that make sense? Like it's like a, like you know, like what I mean, like. He, uh, actually, he plays about marble. Marble. He takes marble, and he makes a statue that's like a pillar. So it's like, a, like you know, like a, imagine like a, like a like a man, like an actual man, like holding, holding a ball yeah, something like that. So it's a pillar and a statue at the same time, like artistic. Mm -hmm. He's saying, oh, those are two things. So you can have two like, different things. Yeah, but that's not true. That's modalism. Again. It's one thing. Yeah, it is one thing. And it's Michael Syria making this, uh, like the guy who wrote the book on. Uh, so he's saying like, there's two things. There's the, it's a pillar and. But the functionality of something does not imply its multiplicity. Just because it has two functions, does not mean it is two things. And this is, again, this goes into, this is a philosophical discussion, right? this goes into philosophy. And he, he uses Aristotle philosophy to argue why. But that goes too rudimentary. Brian left out, the guy who basically made the objection, I'll just talk about his view in the end, because he, he has his own view to explain Trinity. He says, imagine a time machine, right? Yeah, these guys have multiple, no, but, <laughs> But they have huge papers on this, bro. They, they try to explain this, you know, using philosophy. So, so they have a time machine. They're saying, like, you have a woman, right? Let's say her name is Lucy. You know, these guys really like the name Lucy. It's <laughs> like Lucy, and then she travels back in time. So now you have Lucy and Lucy. There's two Lucys, but they're yeah, one. 
The issue with that is you have to do that. Are they the same Lucy or are they different? There's two possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. If they're same, then you have models. If they're different, you have to try to apologize. Oh, I see. So that's actually a good example. Yeah. But this is the objection against buying a laptop. No, that's yeah. a good example for what yeah. does. So there's two possibilities, right? The issue with that is that's why I want to conclude with this is when you take the two models of Trinity, social Trinitarianism, the social Trinitarianism starts with three persons and tries to get oneness out of it. You see what I mean? Like you get what I mean? They start with three persons. On Latin, they start with one person and try to explain three persons somehow. You see, like one, not one. So it's person. like the inverse of both. Right. That's why you can't have both. Right. You, they're mutually independent of each other. The issue is here you have modalism, and here you have uh, tritheism. So the question is: is which one would you risk, <laughs> modalism or tritheism? Or rather, just don't risk that and take a simpler view of God's existence. And I think like, yeah, but in general, like, I think I talked about this too, like, most proofs of God's existence that exist in literature, like, actually get you to one God. So actually, Aquinas' proof gets you to one God. But Aquinas has five proofs. It's famous. Aquinas is pretty famous for this. If you Google five proofs, Aquinas has five proofs. But that was Aquinas considered is, a heresy. Yeah, five ways. Because it was the worst ways of describing God. Yeah, from a Christian point of view. So you have five ways. Right now, now he's very philosophical rigorous. Like, Aquinas... If you want to disprove him, you have to go through a lot of work. If you are using philosophy to disprove him, it's not easy. His philosophy is so rigorous, it's not easy to disprove him. But I, I actually read his philosophy first. And his he's very rigorous. Like he's, you, It's really hard to disprove him. He's very smart. So Rick Aquinas has this, like, he, he has his five ways, right? All the five ways prove one God. Like, there's many proofs in God in philosophy religion that only prove one God. Now, the issue is this. You're telling me that all these proofs are wrong? Somehow. Because when you look at this proof, you're like, ah, that seems reasonable. Okay, that looks right. And you're like, oh yeah, there's one God. But then you're telling me the other three. You're telling me something's wrong in that proof. But not in one proof, in ten different proofs, something's wrong. That's a big claim you're making, right? You need to go back and say, okay, something's wrong. So that's the general summary, I guess. That's why you just like, who is the Holy Spirit? Is it Gabriel? Okay, so that's why you just like say that each one of them are independent and there's one God because like that's the simplest way of saying everything. Yeah, and that's how like even in the different sects of Islam, they don't argue on the different. They don't argue, argue that there's multiple like, gods. Yeah, it's a basic outline of Jewish. Um, they don't and, even argue different Quran. Exactly, like um, in Jewish and uh, Muslim points of view, they don't argue on the Torah. Um, the um, Injil. Not in jail. Quran. The Quran. And they don't argue on multiple gods. Like, although some Jews do believe that there is a son of God, but it's not as bad as Christianity. No, I agree, I agree. Wait, and they, they say that Gabriel, I didn't get this. They say that Gabriel is his Holy Spirit. Would that mean they, they think that Gabriel is God? Yeah, Gabriel is God as well. Yeah. That's so, so, so they're saying that God, the Father, sent God, the Holy Spirit, to give revelation to God. Jesus? Yeah, that's why you just it just leads you to like modalism. So isn't that just God talking to God, but like through the worst way possible? God talking to himself. That's basically God talking to himself. Yeah, and praying to himself and stuff. So and just like the the verse that you mentioned, like with about the hour, you know, the Father mm-hmm. doesn't know, the angel doesn't know, but like he's basically talking to himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's like uh, that's if you are taking a modalism view. That's actually the objection to modalism. If, if why is modalism heresy? Because it mo- because who's Jesus praying to? <laughs> like, why is he praying to himself? Right? If there's if if the if, if the son is just equal to the father, yeah. then there there's the same thing. So then, the only difference is that the father came down a son. 
That's basically what you're saying. The father came down in flesh. Not the son, the father. Because there's just one father, there's just one. I mean, modalism. So, like, modalism. so basically, who and is... And then, like, who takes care of the universe while he's at the God? Yeah. Oh, one thing I want to touch on is, like, small thing. I just remembered this in my head. Some <laughs> some uh, Christian philosophers, they argue that that there there is no... Like, the Trinity as a whole doesn't exist. These are three... They literally go up to say that there's three independent beings. Like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all independent. Holy? There's some Christian philosophers that are okay with it, like saying, okay, there's three independent completely. They're uh, completely independent. They're yeah, and basically we polytheism, but they say, oh yeah, they will function as one. But there's another objection to that is that when uh, they would say they're completely independent, so they're not dependent on each other. By the way, so for example, you would say uh, the uh, the son depends on the father eternally. So, but if you say, for example, that the son is independent of the father, the reason why it's a heresy is because now which God is, for example, the uh, Old Testament talking about. Now the Christians are okay with saying, "Oh, it's talking about the Father." Or the you know, there's actually they actually made up, they actually had this argument that I talked about in the bet. What was it called? Uh, okay, I don't have it right now, but basically, this guy, uh, Marcion. Mm -hmm. His idea was the entity system. That's what you're talking about. Where, um, basically, maybe it's not him. Yeah, it's him. Uh, he talked about how the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New, God of the New Testament. Like, there are two gods. So, technically, they have five gods. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we could have looked over some examples, too, because they bring up some uh, examples to explain the, the Trinity, but they agree that no example is good, right? Because... If it's a logical contradiction, you can't come up with any example. So, like, some common examples that I heard is that the water can be in three states. That's modalism. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, water is in three states. It has three forms. It's modalism. How about an egg with... Uh, subordination. Uh, subordination or hierarchy, however you want to put it. What's, what's because, like, you have to shell, <laughs> you have the egg inside it. <laughs> it's like yeah. subordination. Or, like, uh, subordination would be, like, the father's on the top and the bottom, like, up like that. Partialism. Uh, subordination is a type of, type of partialism. But that was kind of like that. But you can... Oh, then you would just be a, uh, you would say subordination, so kind of like uh, the Father is the most divine, and then the Son is like a little less divine, the Holy Spirit is less divine, but all three of them are fully divine. How about um, an apple with a seed? Like the skin? Again, it's the just apple. the egg example. You yeah. haven't changed anything, it's inside it, right? So you have the Trinity, you have inside it, it's a part of it. You just done partially. I mean, yeah, partially, parts. So the, the, the Father is a part of the Trinity, so he's lesser than the Trinity. That's a good example is like, what if the egg has two yolks? <laughs> it doesn't change anything, it's just a partial. No, because yeah. you're saying that the yolk is something, the white is something, and then the shell is something. If there's two yolks, that means you have four. And, and by the way, the exactly. egg, the yolk, the egg, and the, uh, the cover, the, the shell, the shell they're, they're three distinct things. So you have three things. So how do you not have three gods? Yeah. And how sure. do you not have three gods? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, then they say that you know I've heard James White use this example of the triple boiling point of water. That's just models, because the water exists in the same state, but it's just one thing. So what they did, in a basic overview of what you just said, they made a little box of, basically, their orthodox teachings. Yeah. Right? So they made a box where they can't escape, without either going into trinitarianism, or mortalism. No, no, the box itself, <clears throat> yeah, it depends whose box it is, right? Like, but the orthodox teachings, because the orthodox teachings are vague. They're in a bunch of sentences. You have to make sense out of it. For example, Aquinas read those, and he's like, okay, this is what I think the Trinity is. His model. 
Brian Lefkow reads it and he's like, this is my model. This is what I think they said. Well, what did they actually say? We don't know because they just have a bunch of sentences, right? But you know, like when are we going to philosophy on like even language, bro? When you have a bunch of sentences, the whole meaning is in a sentence. So how you interpret that sentence? So, it, it, you know, like, I, th I don't have the Council of Nicaea thing in front of me, but I think I put it in the paper. But you see in the paper, it's just like, the father and the son are equal, co-eternal, you know, like they have those kind of sentences in there. So how do you interpret these sentences? Right, that's the question. You have a social Trinitarian model who thinks that, okay, my interpretation is correct. Latin Trinitarian, no, my interpretation is correct. So like, how do you even interpret these models? Like, the sentence. So that's what I think, yeah. Well, I think that we covered everything. Yeah, we, I today. think we covered. I think we covered like a lot of stuff. To be honest with you, yeah. that's basically. Uh, what, do you, what do you think the next episode should be? Quranic argument. Quranic argument. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah. Eat a halal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good. Bro. That's good. Oh God, that was an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, that's good. Bro. I'm surprised my phone didn't die.